As someone who just finished spending the majority of his life in prison, what happened with Legos? They used to be simple. Now, come on, I know you know what I'm talking about. Legos were simple. Something happened out here while I was inside. Harry Potter Legos, Star Wars Legos, complicated kits, tiny little blocks. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. I just want to know what happened. Welcome to the Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. All right. Hello to everyone in podcast land today. Thanks for joining us. Sean, how are you feeling? Feeling good today and excited to have a new case study. It's been a while since we did one. Yes, indeed. All right. So in today's episode, we're going to do a case study on the Legos, Lego toys, the Lego group, um, which I'm sure everyone is very familiar with uh, or uh, with the brand and the company uh, over the years. So, uh, yeah, we're going to get into it, uh, talk about the history, the trials, tribulations, learning lessons, and, uh, you know, just key things that we picked up along the way that you can use as a reference as you start or continue along your business journey as well, right? Yeah. And for those of you who just heard that opening video from um, Community, that was uh, Michael K. Williams, rest in peace, referring to how Legos have changed. His character in that show was in prison for a little bit, came out and Legos were so different. So I thought that was an appropriate little clip to play at the beginning because we're going to talk about all the changes in the company, too. So. For sure, for sure. All right. So uh, I guess first we could just start off with the history, <laughs> right? Uh, Sean, you want to take it off for your understanding of the history and we can... I can add my two cents after. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it was just pretty straightforward. It was um, started in Europe by I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pronounce this guy's name, mm-hmm. um, uh, Kirk Christian Christiansen, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 close. Christiansen, yeah. that's uh-huh. A and threw uh-huh. me off a little. Uh-huh. But um, but yeah, so I mean, he he started it like you know it was like a regular local business, and he came up with the interlocking blocks to build toys, and it, it wasn't really a you didn't assemble your toys back then in the original iteration of it. It was it was it came assembled and you and that was kind of where the inspiration came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the company grew, you know, it, it turned into the building block that we know now, the building blocks that we know now. Right. So I'm gonna add a little bit more. So even before it became the Lego that we know today, he actually uh, started off doing uh, wooden wooden toys before it became um, the plastic toy. So he was actually a wood maker prior to a toy maker. And if I'm not mistaken, like the business of what he was doing with wood and furniture uh, was going downhill during the depression and and, and, th- and all of that uh, economic wise. So he went into making toys, wooden toys. And then even from making wooden toys, they transitioned a little bit into the plastic toys. But what was funny is that at the time, the plastic toys wasn't received well. They were considered uh, cheap and and not of good quality people prefer the wooden toys at the time so even then it's not like you just started off um saying i'm making plastic toys that was like the offshoot the b-side of the products that he uh were make was making at the time right? yeah and that's so crazy how like plastic is kind of you know the standard for toys for the most part now right um, so you know he probably had a big hand in that shift yeah for sure so then, you know, along the way, like you mentioned, at first, the Legos that we know today isn't 
the Legos that uh, originated at first? Because now with the Legos, you know, all the pieces can interlock. But at first, that wasn't the case, right, Sean? So, yeah, the, the pieces aren't, you know, weren't what we know them as now. Um, right. they were, like, like we said, they were standalone pieces that were kind of already built from the material. Right. And then the sets kind of evolved as time came along and they, you know, provided new offerings. Right. And I think, you know, for me, I will say it's it's interesting as I was digging into this, you know, it's like I've I've always it's Legos to me is just something that just always exists, right? Like for me as a kid, it's like it's just here. So I and mentally I always ex- assume that it's gonna stay here. It will be around forever. It'll be here for future generations, right? It's just something that is part of us. But uh, you know, digging into the history, I realize they've gone through a lot of ups and downs. They've been on the brink, they've been up, they've been down, they've been back again. You know, it's, it's quite interesting uh, when you think about how such a, such an iconic toy company with such a simple product has been through been through the ringer in regards to being a success and being a failure and coming back, right? Yeah, definitely. And then you would think it's always been there and it's always just been a staple, but clearly that's not the case. Right. So I think, you know, I think one of the one of the issues or one of the earlier issues that had them, I guess, you know, dealing with some finan- uh, business challenges was when their patent, their longstanding Lego patent expired in uh, around 1989. Uh, up until then, you know, n- no pun intended, they had the they had the game on lock, right? The, the blocks, the how the blocks was um, connected and, and just the patent on the design of it. And because of that patent and having that intellectual property for so long, it really much, pretty much guaranteed success, right? There was really no competition. No one could do what they do, you know, uh, and, you know, just really left the lane wide open. But then when that patent expired in 1989, that's when everybody came out the gate, right? You had a... all these companies that was producing similar blocks, uh, similar to Lego, you know, you had uh, Tyco Toys, you had Mega Blocks, Best Locks, you know, um, and the thing about it is that they were designing their blocks to be quote unquote compatible, right, uh, with the existing Lego blo- blocks and was marked at a lower cost, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Sean. Did, did yeah. that, no, I mean, uh, did that remind you a little bit of kind of like, partially the pharmaceutical industry how they'll have a patent on one drug mm-hmm. and it's like after how many every years that patent's released and then everybody comes to market with their you know with their generic variant versions i kind of thought that reminded me of this part of lego's history for some reason yeah so. i mean it's it's part of the game right like it, it's part of the game so especially when folks are like you know intellectual properties and patents you know these are very valuable that's why of course there's a lot that goes into uh owning intellectual properties and owning a patent and uh, it's a call. It's it's a process. So you know, once these patents are set to expire, trust and believe the competitive competition is waiting. Right? They're looking like, all right, now we can get in. But uh, in this case, yeah, it, it definitely reminded me of, of that. It also reminded me of a lot of characters, uh, children's books and stuff like that, uh, because you start realizing that, at least for me, I realized like a lot of these characters that. Uh, I was familiar with growing up are quote unquote in the public domain. And that's why you have so many different versions of like a Red Riding Hood and Robin Hood movies and stuff like that. Wow, that's interesting point you bring up because one of the one of my notes here that I thought was a big um, turning point for Lego was the whole licensing and licensing characters. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. So, 
so at the time, I, I think Lego's strategy at the time when all of this was happening wasn't really to become competitive or more competitive or to step their game up. Uh, they thought, you know, their approach was to sue everybody. <laughs> so um, instead of saying, okay, how can we make the product better or how can we differentiate, they it really just went into a bunch of lawsuits and for copyright infringement and stuff like that and fighting these companies across different countries. And it did prove successful to an extent, right? You know, you they was going after Chinese manufacturers and all of that, but... At the same time, it's like, how long can this strategy work, right? It, it, it starts to become like a game of whack-a-mole. You, you, you crush one competitor or, or knock off, and then there's another one that's going to pop right up, right? And, and really didn't, uh, took away from them focusing on their business and what can make them uh, successful and continue the success, you know? Yeah, totally. If you're focusing on your competition, but not building your own brand, building your own, you know, product, yeah, you're gonna fall behind. Exactly, exactly. So I think, you know, I think around the '90s. So this is where it starts getting a little, you know, interesting. Like I guess in the '90s, <clears throat> they were. It was a lot of. Uh, could we say challenges around the time in the '90s for Lego? Yeah, I think I think challenges is a good word. <laughs> Uh, I think one of the challenges is that, you know, they got too big. They, they were in every, they was trying to do everything. All right. They, they had a whole bunch of, they straight, let's, let's, let me step back. Not only that they got too big because you can get big and, and still be successful, but I think they strayed away from their original formula. Right. And I think one of the things that made them successful early on was that they, they were you a set of, what is it six or nine, Sean, uh, unique blocks, right. That. All, no matter what type of set you brought, no matter what type of Legos you brought, you had those core six sets, uh, six pieces that are interchangeable across all the sets, and no matter what type of collection you brought. Um, but then, and which also helped because you had those six pieces, it really helped from a supply chain uh, perspective as well. You didn't need a lot of customized molds and bricks to make these pieces. You can literally make these same core pieces across the variety of sets and collections that they had. Uh, but then uh, towards the 90s, they strayed away from that. They started introducing a whole bunch of different unique sets and outputs and things that required new uh, custom modes. So more custom modes and more custom builds and more custom shapes that really strayed away from the foundation and the formula um, that you know led to a lot of increased costs but not necessarily uh, profits because these collections and sets wasn't necessarily selling. Right. Um, and it also seems like, you know, it, like you said, they got away from their core, mm -hmm. their core, their core toy, their core offering. And, and it may have been the, you know, in response to the competition rising, but they were trying to expand their offerings basically. And I think, like you said, it affected the supply chain, it affected the bottom line, the supply chain and it affected the bottom line. Right, right. And I think also from a management perspective, what started happening is they had different groups working in isolation, right? So you had the design team and the product team that were working on new ideas and stuff that really didn't have a connection and understanding to the bottom line or what was the financial implications, which may be good for creativity of innovation, but if it's not creating profits, 
is it successful, right? So you had the design teams working in isolation, not really understanding the financial impact. You had expansion, uh, uh, all these new pieces and toys. And, you know, really what happens is it flooded the market with a whole bunch of products. So maybe at, it got to a case where point where, you know, the Lego brand is known, but it's not resonating with audiences, right? Yeah, right, right. All right. And, and let's talk about the audience, right? So I guess for a long time, um, they would say the primary audience for logos is young kids, mostly boys, and adults, which I thought was interesting, right? Um, so that was their core for a long time. So, um, were you surprised by the adults? Is that what kind of? Uh, I don't. Here's why I wasn't surprised by the adults, because <laughs> I like Legos, though, <laughs> no, right? I I don't have. I realized as I was doing research. Like subconsciously, you know, I'm a Legos fan because uh, I was hyped when the Lego movie came out. Right? I was there to see it. Um, I have a few Lego sets on my watch list that I want to buy off Amazon, right? Um, and then as I realized, you know, I, I realized I, I was subscribing to a few Lego YouTube channels as well. And I was like, as I'm doing, I'm like, oh, snap, this is actually all around me and didn't really realize it. So the adults doesn't really surprise me because it also makes sense. The children to adult pipeline, right? Like if you, if you had them as a child, um, you know, and you have that creative and engineering spirit, you know, it would probably, uh, transfer as you're an adult because as an adult, you kind of start revisiting all those hobbies as a kid that you couldn't, you know, flush out during certain parts of your life, right? So that didn't really, it didn't, it surprised me, but it made sense, you know? Okay, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it surprised me, but it did make sense. Um, what about you? Any thoughts on that demographic? No, I mean, that that made sense to me. Um, but you talked about um, kind of their patent going up and kind of them shifting and diversifying their portfolio. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting how they tried to target um, girls and women and like, well, the girls market and little girls. They started dabbling in like jewelry and clothing and things like that just to try to, you know, attract a different audience. So I, I just thought that was interesting. It didn't necessarily work out for them, those specific offerings. But um, it was just it's interesting how they tried to come up with new products to bring in a new audience. Well, see that I'm glad you brought that up because that was, that was going to be my response actually. So it, it wasn't successful at first when they tried to offer the new products. Right. But the, I think when they offered the new products, it wasn't targeted towards women or or girls. Right. And actually they started achieving more success when they started making product lines and collections for girls, Uh, which is very surprising because it kind of felt, you know, to me, like a no-brainer. Why would you neglect this audience for so many years? <laughs> right? Like, it was. It's kind. Of, in hindsight, it's kind of comical how, um, and criminal how they didn't neglect a, a major part of a, a possible success by ignoring women and young girls and building mm-hmm. sets. Right? They 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 tried to expand and all these variety of options for young boys, but. At no point was it like, hey, what about the girls? Which it just it seems very uh, like an archaic strategy, if, if, if anything, right? But they definitely started doing that and uh, achieved a lot more success with that as well, right? And, yeah. And now, you know, from an audience perspective, they are they're hitting everything. They have adult workshops. They have, they have whole communities of adult Lego builders, uh, 
it's it's a very involved community, um, conventions and everything where you have the Lego fans from all over, all ages, um, and 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 backgrounds that uh, come to share their love of Legos. What are your thoughts on Legoland? And I don't want to skip ahead if you're going to. No, we go into that. We go into Legoland now. All right, because they because they they um they went in early on the whole brick and mortar right. uh, like theme right. park situation. So. Right. So. I don't know too much about Legoland. Like, I know the Lego stores, right? Um, there's one on 23rd that I, I'm always, you know, used to check out. Uh, but the Legoland parks in general, um, it seems, at the time, it seems like a no-brainer on why they would have did Legoland, right? Uh, but I don't know. I It just... In hindsight, obviously, you can see why it wasn't a good idea, right? So for people who are not familiar, Legoland was essentially their amusement park equivalent to Disney World, right? Uh, It featured large-scale models of famous landmarks and miniature Lego models of cities and theme rides. And, you know, initially started in Denmark and then in England. And, you know, they they expanded. But then uh, after a while they sold all four parks <laughs> to an investment firm, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and, and be managed independently on its own outside of that. Uh, but I think for me, it's kind of more like an example more of doing too much and, and not being able to manage it all. Right? Like the business wasn't already doing as good as it was. Why are we doing parks as well? Yeah, it, it, I didn't. That's I didn't understand the logic. Um, but like you said, they they were able to um, sell the property and 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 make something out of it. That's probably not what they wanted it to be. They probably wanted it to be you know competitor of Six Flags Disneyland, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But um, but it never did get to that level. But they do have you know I do see the Legoland stores like there's one in Rich Hill. Right. So, you know, so, um, so yeah, it's not a complete loss, but it wasn't what they wanted it to be, that's for sure. Right. And the Lego, let's be clear, you know, the Lego, the Lego stores is a more, you know, yeah, retail. Yeah, it's, it's a lot more scaled down. Right. And which makes more sense to me, too. They're designed to sell the product versus you build a Legoland amusement park. Cool. Other than the gift shop, how are you moving your products? So it's just awareness of it more than anything. Right. And, you know, I will say what it reminds me of, you know, when I look at the timeline on when, you know, Legoland was put up and that and, and, you know, and ultimately shut down and all these stores, it was around the time, you know, the early 2000s when a lot of these places were big brands were just setting up shop everywhere. It was just all about location, open up stores all over. Uh, it, it reminds me when, you know, the... There was a Disney store in Harlem, right? <laughs> in early, uh, yeah. You know, and I remember saying, "Wow, okay." I didn't, you know, it just seemed like every every brand was trying to be everywhere without in, any strategy, right? Uh, 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 so, and I don't know, maybe that was just the two thousands for us, right? But yeah, I hear you. I mean, I, I know the original one. I think was in the early or late sixties, but yeah, the second they didn't open another one until the nineties, and then they yeah. opened up four right right. so i'm talking about that that expansion when everything was just like all right now we're just gonna rev everything up and and all systems go right so then around that time you know they a lot of their fan base was like y'all whack like they just they was losing their fan base a lot of the core supporters of lego was just like what is going on right like it's not this ain't the legos we grew up with and then they also caught controversy right i'm gonna circle back around 
the licensings of, of, of the Legos for certain collections, right? And I think the Star Wars collection was when uh, that really kind of set a shift or tone in the direction of the business, yeah? Yeah, definitely, and licensing those characters in that, that mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. Right, so, you know, Legos is stagnant, management, a lot of spending, a lot of just bloated balance sheets, and not really profitable. And at a point, they were def they were even looking for buyers. You know, they we were looking for buyers, and um, you know, who can take the company and manage it and, and take it in a new direction. And then they, you know, kind of jumping all over the place. But I think a pivotal point was when they started um, licensing Lego pieces for certain collections, which was uh, Star Wars, right? And that was also not received uh, very well, depending on who you ask, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems as if, you know, there were spikes when there was a new Star Wars movie out or mm -hmm. something like that, where they, you know, was related to another property out there. But just people going to the store to buy Star Wars Legos, it wasn't what they thought it would be. Right. So you had people that was like, oh, y'all sold out <laughs> because it's not just the pure Lego uh, toys. And then other people was like, oh, it's... It's messing, you know, by licensing it with uh, Star Wars, you're messing with the purity of the brand. Um, but what we start realizing is that it showed that, oh, wow, we're, we're having a lot of success with these licensed Lego um, collaborations, right? But the flip side to that was that now their success was always dependent or would be closely dependent on the success of these movies and franchises that they was associated with, right? So you had like... Batman, the Lego movies, you know, well, actually, the Lego movies are separate entity. We'll get to that. Uh, so then, uh, while they're having success with these uh, licenses and partnership deals, it's still not, they're still not able to decide totally their own destiny based off their own products and ideas, right? And then, as, th as this is going along, then, you know, they start steering away. I don't want to say they're steering away because they still have all these licenses and partnerships and stuff, but now they're trying to focus more on their own identity. And I think the Lego movie was like a push in that direction or like a, a major milestone uh, in regards to setting up that separate identity from just being licenses, licensed to other brands and corporations. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to kind of... their They have a history... It's, just everything we've talked about and everything we've read of trying to be innovators, right? They mm -hmm. try to be the first to everything. Now, I'm not saying that's the first toy movie that's ever been made or anything like that, but right. what? there's no Mattel movie. There's no Fisher-Price movie. You know what I mean? This is a whole brand that was able to make its own movie. So, right. so I think it's first in that regard. Right. I mean, and it's funny because I remember when it, the movie came out, I don't even remember why I was excited to see the movie. That's the thing. I don't know if it's like childhood nostalgia. I don't even know, right? But I remember seeing it. I was like, oh, I want to see this, right? So uh, it was a success. I remember going and there was a lot of adults and kids, of course, but definitely a lot of adults who were definitely enjoying it, which I think kind of signified, okay, we can kind of do our own I don't want to say that this was the milestone on where they could do their own thing, because obviously they've been doing their own thing for years and decades at this point. But I think in this new era of establishing an identity and its own, you know, um, persona in this land of multiple channels of being entertained, right, and, and getting people's attention, especially for a new age, I think it kind of definitely um, 
was a turning point for them in establishing Lego, the company in this new age? You were a fan of the Lego movie. I was as hyped for the Lego Batman movie. Oh, That's okay. The one I was hyped for. <laughs> but it it kind of it's interesting because it, it 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 shows like what we were talking about. They created their own world with their own movie, right? And then they went back to what they know. They licensed the DC property, right? Put right. that in their world. So it's right. it's the same strategy just evolved. So right. It's just interesting. Right. So it's working, and I you know I'm I'm glad you mentioned it. I I did see that, and I did enjoy it. Uh, I forgot. I forgot about that. Thanks for the reminder, though. Yeah, that that was good too. The Batman Lego yeah, movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, there's there's a lot to be taken um to take in from Lego from their hits and miss. And I just want to circle back uh about when we were talking about targeting uh girls and, and women. Um, it, it just for me when I was doing my research, it just kind of struck me as wow, like they didn't even really get into that lane until around. 2014 2015 and that was because like a, a girl wrote a letter to them right and when you think about why wow, it took a, a letter from a girl to for them to say why don't we have toys for women uh girls and and integrate them into our strategy as much as lego uh likes to pride themselves on innovation and research and you know figuring out the next wave and how to engage with all their fans, kids and adults, it just, it, it's a huge miss, but it also goes to show that, you know, you can have all the research in front of you, but if you're interpreted in the wrong way, uh, it still doesn't, it's not valuable. It doesn't help you, right? Because I'm sure there was a lot of research prior to this letter that, that indicated maybe we should gear some products towards our, uh, woman audience yeah right. Mm-hmm. right but sometimes it take it took that personal touch or personal right note or whatever it is to really move the needle maybe people realize that okay there's something you should focus on as a business right right i mean and it you know um <laughs> and, and maybe it's just because of the time that legos was doing all of this and i'm just thinking about what was going on uh in comparison to my life and other things that i saw happening around that time right like you think of Legos and the big expansion and just going everywhere and doing everything. It also reminds me about the music industry at the, around the same time. This is when everything was bigger is better, right? Big budget videos, big special effects. This is around the same time. So it might have just been like this is the times, a sign of the times and the culture that we were in where everything just expands, expand, expand. Yeah, the, the post-dot-com or around the dot-com era. Right. Yeah, everything got bigger. Everything was bigger. So it didn't. <laughs> Exactly. Like even Legos had their own uh interaction company, computer, like they would they would they, they were doing a lot, you know. Um they they were doing a lot going on. Uh, you know, and ultimately shut down as well. Shut grand opening, grand closing, right? But uh now they're in a place where, you know, they're definitely doing better financially, uh doing better in regards to brand recognition and just um how do we say, like uh the quality or the way they're perceived, yeah, uh, highly valuable, you know, Forbes lists them, they're always listed in Forbes as one of the top toy man, uh, valuable toy companies and things like that. And then also another tidbit was about the fact that uh, they are actually considered, uh, because, you know, they, they create tires for, the, for their toys, right? Um, they're actually considered 
the largest or one of the largest toy manufacturers in the, oh sorry tire manufacturers in the world because of the oh, tires. because of the tires, tires that they make they, for the yeah, toys. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I could give with that. So yeah. So I mean, from a from a just business takeaway perspective, right? Like we've talked about the story. We've kind of covered the ups and downs and to be fair to the audience you know we didn't do it uh it's not a deep dive because uh, to be quite honest a deep deep dive would probably take about two hours there's been so many ups and downs um swapping out of ceos different management changes you know different uh clashes and feedback over the years uh but you know top level understanding overview of the company and some of the issues that they've had to deal with over the years, right? Um, Sean, what are some of the, you know, takeaways that you've gotten from from the story and history of Lego? I mean, again, we I know we don't have time to get into all the specifics, but they were in eight million or excuse me, eight hundred million dollars of debt at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Just that they were able to pull themselves out of that. So that's really like you were saying, you know, you they never went away in the public eye because they fought through that eight hundred million dollars of debt to stay in business. Right, right. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, shoot, that 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 number just astounding to me that a company can be in that much debt and still be operational, and then still come out on top. I mean, I feel like, yeah, writing might usually the writing is on the wall when you see that much of debt, right? Yeah, I mean, how many companies it would be good stat to find out but how many companies have bounced back from that level of debt you know right, to, right. to make a, a hundred million dollar profit you know in the end mm-hmm. not in the end but in move forward right i think another key lesson was really just the 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 notion of strategic partnerships right and i think that's very key like you can't all partnerships aren't good partnerships right but you know during the their time of figuring things out and really trying to assess what works and what doesn't you know uh going to their core strengths which is you know they scale back they cut out all those new collections that required extra pieces they went back to their core six or nine pieces i'm i'm, I'm my, the numbers is i'm confusing myself right now but whatever their core set of blocks was and built off of that and then made the strategic partnerships like with Star Wars or with DC Comics or even I think there might be an Avengers Legos movie as well. So Marvel. So, you know, making those strategic partnerships when it was warranted and, and of value, but then still not uh, losing focus of their core brand and idea of what they're trying to do. Right. And I think that's very key. All partnerships may not necessarily be good. Right. But no when to get into the right ones uh, to help grow and be successful. Yeah, finding that synergy with whichever brand you're partnering with. Yeah, oh, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Now, I will say the other thing I took about is like, not all deals are good deals, right? Like, yeah. expansion for the sake of expansion isn't necessary, right? And I think, I think that was very key, uh, especially in today's uh, digital, digital focus uh, economy. And where every everybody is saying, you know, a lot of business advice tells you to be everywhere. You gotta be everywhere. You gotta be on every social media channel. You gotta be having an Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat. Like you gotta be everywhere. Um, and I think in this case, we saw that that wasn't necessarily the case, and doesn't need to be the case, right? Like you don't need to have an amusement park. You don't need to do this. You don't need to be everything to everyone you you find your lane 
you stick to what works for you uh, be strategic and of course when there are when there is opportunity to expand and grow do so but not at the sake of just being there to be there which a lot of companies tend to make this mistake over and over and over again without like without yeah, over and over again, yeah, without learning from the last time they did it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. Like, they're, they're like, oh, we're going to be here, we're going to be here. Uh, and I mean, Sean, we, we've been here. We've been in these meetings where sometimes you see some of these partnerships or expansion plans that, I mean, to me, doesn't really make sense. But at the same time, you know, we're not in those boardrooms making those decisions. But I think we there are some questions you're like, well, why are we even going into this market? This doesn't really make sense. And, you know, a lot of it is part of the spin and part of the art of maneuvering and saying, oh, we want to get here, but it doesn't necessarily always mean it's it's the right move. And I think, you know, one thing that I did appreciate, I do appreciate or took away from this was the, the, the commitment to innovation. The commitment to innovation is it was is there. So even through the, the, the trials and tribulations, the, uh, the failures and the success, right? I totally understand not everything is going to be a success. Totally get that. Everything is not going to hit, get all of that. But what I do like is that there is a commitment to innovation and to keep improving, which, you know, a lot of companies give lip service to that. Uh, But I I do think Lego actually, uh, not only, they they live it. They don't just talk it. They live it, right? Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I felt like he was about to cut you off. Go ahead, Sean. No, I was just saying, you think that based on their company history, their history as an organization, or are you kind of like, is it based on their products? You see the innovation in the products or like kind of a mix of all that? A mix of it all, a mix of it all, and as well as their actual actions, right? Because it's easy to give lip service. Like, they've messed up without question. They've messed up by, for some reason, I mean, not really going all in to developing a girl's, uh, audience right a woman's audience you know they they dipped their foot here and there they had like a little interactive studio that did some games and stuff but they wasn't it wasn't a dedicated effort right um but now and also with some of the environmental issues that they've had because they was working with shell and you know shell and plastic and the carbon footprint and that gathered a lot of uh negative publicity right and and press on that behalf as well and it just seems like when they are faced with these challenges, you know, it's, I'm, I'm a little bit of a cynic. I'm not one to hold a lot of faith in these corporations. But when I do see a company that at least appears that they're attempting to do, speak it, you know, uh, live what they talk, uh, you know, I appreciate it. Uh, they have their workshops. They have their their conventions. Uh, I don't, there, there's a lot of activities that they do outside of just saying hey we're trying to sell they they interact with their audience they take the feedback from them uh with the innovation labs um and conferences and and children workshops and you know the adult workshops like there's a lot they're very involved with their community so um that i think is you know something that a lot of other companies could take into uh consideration and part of their strategy yeah yeah and then i also appreciate um or maybe not, yeah, appreciate is the word, because they, you talked about controversy, they kind of had to stay away from the more violent boy-centric toys, and we already talked about how they considered their core audience boys, young boys, Right. but they still had a commitment to, like, you know, staying away from some of the more violent toys that you would see from a Mattel or Mm -hmm. Hasbro or whatever. They were able to 
maintain their, you know, maintain their licenses and bring on characters, but still stay away from like the guns and the knives and some of the other toys uh, that were a little more violent to geared towards boys. So okay. I think when you talk about innovation, I think about that. I think that's innovative too, because they could have just said, yeah. you know, we're going to do whatever else is doing. Or, so. st- or sticking to their principles, right? Sticking right, to their, their principles, yeah. You yeah. know, because even Star-, Star Wars was a little bit of a controversy. It was considered in that lane of, you know, not sticking <laughs> to the brand. That's funny you brought that up, because I forget what I was reading, but there was a quote from someone who said that it was harder for them to get the word war put on the boxes of the toys than for them to actually license Star Wars. Like, that was easy. Right. The hard part was branding it and having the word war <laughs> with their, you know, with their brand. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so, you know, I, I didn't know, I really didn't know what I was going to get once I started digging into the history and understanding the company and learning more from the business moves and side of things. For me, it was just like, oh, I like this toy company. They've been around forever. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things that's in front of you and you just don't really realize till you dig a bit more but i will say the more i dug into it i'm like man this company has mad drama <laughs> Yo, this company has had a lot of drama a lot of ups and downs um along along its history which is pretty much what this show is about you know telling you the ups and downs and and the the, the trials and tribulations that goes into a successful business so it was, it was pretty fitting yeah. What do you think was the most dramatic moment? Or, I mean, if you can narrow it down to one, I, I have mine, but I'm curious what yours was. All right. So, I feel like their early history was the most dramatic to me. <laughs> like, two, no, no, two dramatic moments. One in the early history when the founder, like, I just felt like he couldn't catch a break. Like, this company almost didn't even start. Like, he, he went from woodworking to wooden toys. And then there was stories about how his factory, his wooden factory got burnt down and then he had to start it up again. I'm like, you know, he might have just wanted to call it quits (laughs) at that point. Uh, And then later on in in the Lego history, I feel like once that patent expired uh, in the late 80s, and I feel like that was a dramatic moment because then it kind of felt like, I don't want to say it was directionless, but the direction of the company or strategy seemed to be in order to remain competitive, we're just going to sue everybody instead of really just focusing on our brand. I mean, yeah, I, I, mine's just similar. It's just the founder, same guy you're talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. the original founder, CEO, Mm -hmm. him having to invest his own money into the company to kind of keep it afloat. Right. Um, That was kind of crazy to me how much he invested. I think it was the equivalent of like 130 million Mm -hmm. uh, American dollars. Mm -hmm. And it was in, um, obviously Dutch or uh, I'm not sure what their currency is called, but mm-hmm. the European money. But yeah, it was about 130 million dollars of his own personal money he invested in the business. Right. That that's crazy to me. So, oh. um, mm-hmm. but it, he kept it alive. Right. That was his vision. So listen, yeah. you gotta you gotta if it's your dream and it's your vision, you gotta put it put do what you need to do to keep it floating, right? And I think a lot of our audience members can appreciate that for sure. Like, yeah, I appreciate it. it just to me, it's like if it needs that much money, is it? Are you are you are you saving it or are you just keeping it afloat? But clearly he saved it and clearly he knew what he was doing because he had you know because look they're still here today. So. I mean I don't know if the I don't know if he clearly knew what he was doing. I think he clearly it worked out. He, he clearly out. had the vision and believed in it. But you know there's always that risk, right? There's always that risk, um, <laughs> for sure, for sure. There's always that risk. And uh, the family is, I believe, is still um, operated owned by the family, like. The um they they're not 
on the you know the CEO isn't related to the family, but the board and the board of directors is is uh, descendants of the founder. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, if I put up uh, almost two hundred million, I hope I would get some legacy uh, <laughs> board members that that drop ass. So. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So yeah, so uh, I I think you know kind of exhausted. I don't know any any parting words you want to speak about. You know, just that you got from digging into this company and understanding their history and their business? Not in particular, just uh, like, kind of like you said, I had no idea how tumultuous their history was. I kind of okay. thought it was like, all right, cool, smooth sailing for the most part, maybe some ups and downs, but they were on the brink a couple times. Okay. <laughs> so. Yo, it was, uh, like, yeah, it was, I was a little surprised, like, again? Like, what? <laughs> again? Y'all in trouble again, but, uh, you know, definitely good. Uh, a good story and just to kind of see the uh, resilience along the way. All right, so that's a wrap for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and thoughts around this iconic toy company and hopefully it provided you some valuable lessons as you navigate through your business journey and endeavors. As always, if you have a question you would like to answer on the show, shoot us a message on any of our social media channels or shoot us an email at questions at businessgrindshow.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share on Spotify and iTunes. See you again soon. In the meantime... The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors. I'm out here on the grind. I'm out here on the grind.